0: Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. And I haven't mentioned this in a while, but I do encourage you to fill out our listener survey, survey survey.greatdetectives.net. Even if you've uh, filled out the survey in the past, we're using a new survey company uh, required by the Blueberry uh, Network, which has provided some of the past advertising accounts. So it definitely would help to fill it out so they get an accurate picture of who our audience is. Go to survey.greatdetectives.net. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, And this episode of Barry Craig Confidential Investigator is brought to you by the fantastic support of our listeners. Thank you so much for all your uh, financial support over the years. Uh, And the title of today's episode is Motive for Murder. And it's interesting to note that up until last week... The Barry Craig episodes have been uh, a month or so ahead of the Johnny Dollar episodes we've been playing. However, last week's Johnny Dollar was from July, and uh, Barry Craig from February. So now Johnny Dollar is occurring ahead of uh, Barry Craig. But uh, that won't last long. Anyway, here now is Motive for Murder.
1: William Gargan stars as Barry Craig, confidential investigator. (laughs)
2: When the high cost of living gets your nanny, folks, walk that last mile with a guy whose only gripe is the high cost of dying.
1: The National Broadcasting Company presents William Gargan in another transcribed drama of mystery and adventure with America's number one detective, Barry Craig, confidential investigator.
2: Barry Craig speaking. Over the hot stove, winters, while lubricating your tonsils with a hot toddy and wondering how long to spring... Freelance operatives pass the time exactly the way barbers, ball players, and bookies pass the time. They talk shop. The toughest case you ever worked, the arch criminals you've met, and the pat alibis you've ripped to shreds. Men will be kids, and you pin a medal on yourself. The medal I always cop off comes when the bragging gets around to the most dough, the most loot at stake in a case. My topper is a modest 40 million dollars. I got the case in the back row of a 40-cent movie house over on 3rd Avenue. A Miss Briggs came looking for me, with a usher behind her throwing a spotlight on me with his flash. Mr. Craig. A tall lady in stiff corsets who looked like somebody's loyal girl Friday paging me.
3: Mr. Craig.
2: Sit down and enjoy a movie, Miss... uh, uh... Uh,
3: Briggs. Miss Briggs. I can't stay, thank you. You are Mr. Craig.
2: Red top, handsome though rugged, the outdoor look. Am I describing myself or flattering myself?
3: Uh, You're describing yourself, yes.
2: Then I'm Barry Craig, and that's for sure. Have some popcorn.
3: I must talk to you. But please, not here. In the lounge.
2: Gregory Peck will be awfully mad if I walk out on him.
3: Please, Mr. Craig. People are staring.
2: How did you corner me like this?
3: Jake, your elevator man. He said you were always here in the back row, taking your afternoon nap when you weren't busy.
2: Jake, huh? Snake in my bosom. Remind me not to confide in him so much.
3: In the lounge, Miss
2: Briggs dropped the case in my lap.
3: This cablegram came to my office today.
2: What's your office?
3: Branch Talbot, attorney at law. I'm Mr. Talbot's secretary.
2: Old faithful, huh?
3: I've been with Mr. Talbot for only nine years.
2: Oh, you're only breaking in. Miss Briggs, hire a confidential operative to meet Clipper arriving tonight. Tangle Wild Airport. Check time. Talbot. What's the emergency?
3: My employer, Mr. Talbot, is returning from abroad, from Portugal, with a client. Floyd Spencer, Jr.
2: You pointed that up like I ought to know the name. Floyd Spencer, Jr. Let me think. Oh, the heir, Golden boy who inherits an industrial fortune.
3: Estimated at $40 million. The late Floyd Spencer, Sr. was very rich.
2: You're forcing me to agree. I'm vague on the background. Uh, I've got a block against theirs. All I was left was a shaving mug and a second-hand toothbrush.
3: The Floyd Spencer separated more than 15 years ago when the boy was six. Mrs. Spencer lived abroad in Portugal as a voluntary expatriate. The boy was reared and educated there.
2: And now, with Spencer Sr. dead, she's coming home with Sonny Boy.
3: No. Mrs. Spencer died in Portugal some weeks ago. The boy is coming home. I mean the young man. My employer, Mr. Talbot, has been the Spencer family attorney for a very long time.
2: The Spencer family has now dwindled down to Floyd, Jr.?
3: And an uncle, Uncle Stanley, the late Mr. Spencer's brother.
2: Why am I being hired? Uh,
3: Well, Mr. Talbot is worried. There were two incidents in Portugal.
2: Clarify, please.
3: Accidents involving Floyd, Jr.
2: Accidents on purpose? Is that why Talbot's worried?
3: I believe so, yes. The estate, the size of the fortune and young Spencer's long estrangement from his deceased parents, the long exile, as it was, where there could be complications.
2: Homicidal complications, that is?
3: I don't want to use the word
2: recklessly. (laughs) A nice restraint, Miss Briggs. My compliments. Forty million dollars. That grade of cabbages uh, doesn't always excite the best behavior in people.
3: Uh, This check is your retainer.
2: Fifteen hundred. This grade of cabbage, Miss Briggs, always excites the very best in me. A fog lay over the tangle-wild airport like blotches of green and gray paint hanging midair. I waited on the edge of the landing field, close as I could get without risking sudden decapitation. And then when the sky giant sat down to unload, I changed stations and got close to the passenger walk, looking to identify Talbot from a picture Miss Briggs had equipped me with. Talbot simplified everything by identifying me. Uh,
4: Mr. Craig?
2: On the job with a bright and shining face.
4: I can barely see it in this miserable
5: fog.
2: Where's Spencer, Jr.? He's right behind me.
5: Uh, Floyd, meet Barry Craig. How do you do? This is Paul Shandor, Mr. Craig.
2: Paul Shandor? Where does he fit into the party?
4: Uh, Don't be an obvious detective, Craig, please.
2: Stick your hand out, Talbot. What for? 1500 your retainer. You're getting it back. But I don't want it back. If I'm responsible for the safety of Junior here, I want to know who's who in the party and why.
5: Well, Paul Shandor is my traveling companion and friend, Mr. Craig.
2: That answers my question. Now, introduce me all over.
5: Uh, Paul Shandor, Mr. Craig. I am happy to
2: meet you, Mr. Craig. No offense intended, Paul. I was just being thorough. Oh, I understand, of course.
5: You are Floyd's
2: protector. And I worry about it. Golden Boy here stacks as high as the national debt. We'll wait right here until everybody's off the field and gone. After that, we'll leave through a route I've mapped out.
4: Now, Craig, are these precautions, admirable as they are?
2: It's why you hired me, Talbot. So let's not be impatient, huh? The first pot shot of $40 million commenced as we crossed the field toward a private door in the administration building. A gunner wearing the fog for a shroud. Hit the dirt, everybody, and stay down. Who was it got hit? I did,
5: Mr. Craig. My leg.
2: Your $40 million leg. It's 20 yards to the door. Crawl taught it, everybody. Crawl? Now, Craig, I. I'm I a charge tablet. It's Crawl, infantry style. There's a killer out there making the fog work wonders for him. Stand up, and you're a goner. <laughs> In the administration building, Spencer Jr. got his leg wound cleaned and cauterized and a shot of penicillin to keep bacteria from getting ideas. It's
4: only a superficial flesh wound, the doctor says.
2: Thank like the fog for that.
4: Well, the fog saved Floyd's life, yes, but it also enabled the assassin's escape.
2: If he's escaped.
4: If he... Well, I don't understand.
2: Walk with me, Talbot. I've mapped out a route, they said. A plan, remember? Yes. An empty field, then through a private door. Just our party. Once in that door, two airport cops would have fallen in with us. Stay with us until we climbed into a waiting limousine. That's
4: well enough conceived. If only the assassin hadn't chosen the field
2: itself for an ambuscade. He wasn't always there. He got on the field after the clipper landed and emptied. Why don't follow? Oh, in here. I had the big searchlights play over the field before we started across to the administration door. Yes,
4: yes, there were searchlights for a moment.
2: Then, two blinks, stop, one blink. To signal me, everything was okay before our party started across. Our gunner sneaked onto the field through the same door we were heading toward. But why through the same door? Because he had to for timing and target range. The regular field gates measure two hundred and fifty to four hundred yards away. Oh, and the fog would make such marksmanship improbable. Make it impossible.
4: Your stress on that same door and on the time element—it uh, obviously has significance.
2: It does. It signifies. Joe Potato. Joe... Joe Potato? Over there on the bench. I brought him out with me. Joe takes pictures with an eye for goons, creeps, and connivers. Oh, Joe, come here.
6: Hey, Craig, I don't want to be waiting around long. It's drafty in here. No good for my rheumatism.
2: Meet a friend, Joe. Mr. Talbot, Joe Potato. Hey,
6: I've been telling you and telling you, Nick's on a nickname. Craig, it ain't doing me no good
2: socially. Oh? What other name have you got? Well, I like
6: Joe the photographer. It's got advertising in
2: it. Oh, clever clever.
6: So let me sell you the picture already in blow, huh?
2: You got it developed?
6: I told you the box I work is automatic. It's got its own developer built in the back. Now here's the picture. Now give me what you
2: promised me. Here you are. Twenty.
6: Oh, I'm rooked in this deal. Freezing out here for hours for a lousy twenty I'll be spending on radio diathermy. Uh,
4: This uh, picture, Craig, may I see it?
2: Sure. You uh,
4: believe this fellow to be the assassin? Tell Talbot, Joe.
2: Only one
6: guy went out that private door, and that picture's him. Police Headquarters.
2: Trev Rogers. Speaking. Oh, Barry Craig. Tangle Wild Airport, Long Island. Sorry. There's
6: a clipper leaving for Hindustan in an hour. Climb aboard it, Craig, with a one-way ticket. There's a
2: character in balloon pants leaving here for your office in three minutes. Joe, the photographer.
6: Joe Potato.
2: <laughs> he just changed his name.
6: Why are you sending him to me?
2: He's carrying a photograph. A face you see on post office circulars. Check it with your Rogue's Gallery file.
6: What's the rap?
2: Hunting out of season.
6: The game warden's office is in Albany.
2: When you've got something, try phoning me at the Floyd Spencer Estate uh, Twin Oaks in Southampton.
6: Don't wait at the telephone, Craig. You'll grow a long, gray beard.
2: So be a traitor to your police oath. What's one more killer on the loose? Killer?
7: Craig, I insist...
2: Goodbye now. When Spencer Jr. dropped the anguished look from his royal kisser, I questioned him privately in my jalopy driving to the Spencer place, with Talbot and Shandor gone on ahead. I wanted information. And I also wanted the bang of being all alone with 40 million bucks.
5: I'm not sure I understand your questions, Mr.
2: Craig. Excuse my peasant English. You're a target for murder, Sonny. Yes, I... I apparently am. There were two other attempts on you abroad. I want to know about them.
5: Well, a fall from a horse during a polo match... The stirrup had suddenly torn free. There were evidences of a knife the straps had been tampered with.
2: Attempt number two?
5: After dinner one night, I became violently ill. A tomain attack. I was rushed to a hospital.
2: Your food had been poisoned?
5: I suppose it was, yes. Whom do you suspect? Nobody. If I have enemies, I don't know them.
2: Who profits by your death? Who profits? Uh, the estate. Who gets it?
5: Oh, well, uh, my Uncle Stanley, I suppose. He's the closest relative I have. Is there any
2: other information you think I should have?
5: I don't want to attach importance to something possibly imaginative or a pure coincidence.
2: Let me interpret it. You tell it.
5: Well, for weeks, in Lisbon, in Cairo, and later again in Lisbon, I had the feeling I was being followed and watched. i turn unexpectedly and see a person somewhere in the background. Always the same person. Describe this person. A bland face, like an oriental's is bland. A man of dainty size, simply clothed, and uh, wearing a fez. A fez? Yes, a bright red fez. Where did you see him last? I dislike saying this positively.
2: Then say it negatively, only say it.
5: I'm not sure, but that he wasn't on the clipper coming across. There was such a person, a face reminiscent of the man I've described, only...
2: Only? Well, he wasn't wearing the fez. (laughs) Missing those ditches is like hedge hopping. You see what I see up ahead? A barrier across the road. A pole between two wooden horses, not a lantern or flare to mark it. Oh, uh, there's a sign tacked on it. Can you make out what it says? Um,
5: detour. Road repairs ahead. The arrow points left. We to detour left. Yeah.
2: Like a wagon trail. Hey, how high does this climb? When do we connect back with the main road? When
5: well, the visibility is worse, I suggest your bright lights.
2: They're on. For all the good they are. Hey, we're risking our necks. Mr. Craig, a dead end. Dead end. It's off the mountain. You mean? Cross your fingers. I gotta crash. <laughs> <laughs> I came out of the concussion, worrying about a tooth on the lower gum, pushed my tongue against it, and it swung like an old-time saloon door Damages to the car looked minor. Dented grill. the hood with folds like corrugated cardboard. I stood beside the car, breathing in deep, fueling my lungs before I remembered to worry about Spencer, Jr. The kid lay unconscious on the front seat where he'd been riding beside me. Quiet, with his eyes wide open, like a guy stunned into a trance. A normal enough reaction to a car burrowing itself into a cliffside. his wrist to get the blood circulating and he'd come to as good as new. Spencer! Spencer! Only thing... Spencer Jr. wasn't coming, to ever. I was rubbing the wrists and patting the cheeks of a dead man. I determined the cause of death by tracing a trickle running down his cheek. A trickle of blood that bounced off his collar and soaked into his clothes. A head injury over the ear. But it hadn't come from the crash... The real cause of death had a touch of voodoo. Lloyd Spencer, Jr. had been shot in the head. I tried starting the car without any luck. My jalopy would need towing. That is, if a tow car would dare up the old wagon road... I was standing around keeping a corpse company and wondering how to get both of us back to civilization when the fez rode into the picture. A car tuning its horn and shimmering its lights up the old wagon road toward me. I watched the car door open and a fez pop out. A bland face like an oriental's, a man of dainty size. Just as Spencer Jr. had described him.
7: Your car is disabled?
2: Your eyesight's better than that. It
7: crashed. Yes, now I see. And your companion, where is he? Dead on the front seat. Dead from so small a collision? Dead from a bullet in his brain. So. Who are you? Marcel Surak.
2: How did you come to be tagging up here?
7: In pursuit of you, of course.
2: What detained you? I've been admiring the landscape up here 15 minutes at least.
7: I lost contact with you on the detour.
2: The phony detour the way I figure it now. Somebody rigged that detour to send me up a mountain that spiraled to a dead end.
7: Yes. The detour was, how do you say, manufactured. I examined it.
2: I didn't. I still want to know how you caught up with my party way up here.
7: Your tire tracks.
2: In the pitch dark with headlights swallowed up in mists?
7: I am very expert in scientific pursuit.
2: Yeah, I heard. Cairo, Lisbon. And on the clipper without your fez. You stayed closer to the late Spencer Jr. than his skin.
7: Why? For the present, I do not care to divulge.
2: Change your mind, mister. The kid was murdered while we both lay unconscious after that crash. Someone waited up here for a free shot at the kid if I miraculously kept the car from going over the cliff. he was in my care and I flopped. I fell for the detour gag. Now talk or I'll tear you apart. It is
7: so very foolish. Force will not succeed. It won't, huh? Let's see if you're right. You are so very foolish. Oh! No! Force will not succeed, I am pleased to remind you.
2: That fancy flip that sent me sailing. What's the trick?
7: Jiu-jitsu. I am the finest exponent of jiu-jitsu in the world. Oh, let's have another go at it. No, this time I will shoot you. A gun, huh? You are under arrest, Mr. Craig. Come again? I am a confidential investigator. You're a confidential investigator? Licensed by the governments of Egypt and Portugal. In my pocket, I have credentials and a letter of introduction to your authorities.
2: Huh. What's the charge against me?
7: Murder. I am sure that you have murdered the young man Floyd Spencer Jr. Please to enter my car.
2: Sure. In a minute.
7: Please now.
2: I got to tie my shoelace. Okay.
7: Tie it.
2: Oh! I'm the foremost pitcher of rocks in all of the boroughs in Greater New York, except Brooklyn. <laughs> After frisking Sorak and studying a flock of papers, he kept in what looked like a diplomat's wallet. I turned him over to the New York police, credentials and all.
6: It's an official case now, Craig, of public concern too big for you to dominate.
2: What's your verdict on Marcel Sorak?
6: He is what he says, a confidential investigator.
2: Detail by whom?
6: The authorities in Lisbon. I've checked by transoceanic telephone. Those two attempts on the Spencer Air were an embarrassment to Portuguese officialdom. As an official gesture, they assigned Sorak to watch over the boy, protect him. Perhaps discover who was plotting against him.
2: How is Surak?
6: In Fuller's Ham Hospital, recovering from a broken head.
2: You really beat him. In... A reflex reaction. He threw a gun on me. Did you identify that picture, Joe, the photographer brought you? I did. Wally Mavis, a Detroit import.
6: He was a killer for hire. Did you say was? Distinctly.
2: Don't tell me.
6: Mavis was found dead at the foot of a cliff by state troopers.
2: An automobile wreck. Foot of a cliff? You couldn't be referring to the cliff I almost went off.
6: Mavis took the same arranged detour you did. Only didn't have the wheelsmanship at the dead end.
2: Mavis muffed killing Spencer Jr. in the airport fog, so...
6: So his employer shut him up forever.
2: His employer, huh? Trev. Yes, The hired killer, Wally Mavis. Has news of his death gotten out yet?
6: Gotten out? To the press, over the radio, to John Q. Public. Well, no, it hasn't, I don't think. Mavis was identified hardly an hour ago.
2: Keep it like that. Mum, undisclosed. Wally Mavis wasn't shut up. He's in the police hospital. He survived the wreck. I see your scheme. I'm so glad you do. Just don't gum it up, huh? (laughs) The ancestral home of the Spencers, Twin Oaks, had the usual high stone fences and baying hounds. Inside, at long last, I got to meet Uncle Stanley.
7: Where is my nephew, Mr... you tell me your name now?
2: Three times. Outside the door, at the door, and in the vestibule. Oh,
7: so you did. You're Mr. Howard. Craig. Well, my nephew was coming with you, the lawyer Talbot said. Now, where's my nephew? In the morgue. In the morgue, did you say?
2: I said. He's dead. He was murdered.
7: Oh, now, was he?
2: Is that all the reaction?
7: Huh? Oh, what did you say now? I
2: said, where's the reaction? You lost a favorite nephew.
7: Favorite? Oh, the boy was no favorite of mine. I noticed. Fifteen years in that foreign land and coming home now to steal what belongs to me. Uh, Where where do you say he is now? Did you
2: say huh? Taking in a movie. Where's Talbot and Paul Shandor?
7: Uh, Sitting in the library. The boy's no favorite of mine. Fifteen years in that foreign land, and now he comes home.
2: In the library, Talbot managed a look that said he'd like to see me boiled in oil. You were criminally derelict, Craig. I fell for a phony detour.
4: Young Spencer was entrusted to your charge, and now he's dead. Any excuses, don't stand with me.
2: Is that a threat, too? Who engineered Young Spencer's murder?
4: Well, how should I know?
2: Try to guess. I'm staying with this case until I nail the murderer, Talbot.
4: Neochromite. What about neochromite? It's the keystone to the entire spence of fortune. An industrial synthetic more revolutionary than plastics. It's the, the bellwether of the stock market. Shrewd traders have made fortunes in its market rise. Shrewder traders have made greater fortunes in its market fall.
2: Too complex for me. Where's the motive for murder in neochromite?
4: I'm speaking hypothetically, mind you. Floyd Spencer Sr. kept iron control of neochromite. Spencer control was jeopardized when he died.
2: And Spencer control is over with young Spencer's murder. Is that the idea? Neochromite becomes a free-for-all? Yes,
4: yes. There are literally scores of manipulators who can profit by young Spencer's
2: death. Scores of murder suspects. The
4: stakes are beyond imagination.
2: Suppose now we limit our imaginations to Uncle Stanley. Only hypothetically, mind you, uh, what's Uncle's state of mind?
4: Feeble. You've talked to him.
2: How about his state of energy? Energy? To hire a professional killer, then go it alone and rig a phony detour sign. Then hide out on a mountaintop and fire a bullet into his nephew's brain. It takes energy and zip and muscle. Also, some mental coordination. Does old Uncle add up to it?
4: Oh, Possibly. He's spry enough, remarkably active, in fact, for his age, and charged with hatred. Hatred? Hatred for the wife and mother who deserted his brother, the late Floyd Spencer Sr. Hatred for the boy come home to usurp a fortune.
2: A nice try, Talbot. What did you say? I said a nice try. Scores of suspects, generally, and a mentally defunct uncle, specifically. A nice try. To make the situation beautifully confused, but it won't work.
4: But just what nonsense is this, Craig?
2: The hired killer. The one knocked off as a precaution because I'd connived a photograph of him. I'm referring to Wally Mavis, brought in from Detroit. He didn't die, Talbot, as scheduled. Therefore? Nice acting. Nice facial control. You'd be an Academy Award in pictures if you weren't going to the electric chair.
4: Craig, you've lost your mind. I won't stand here and listen to you.
2: Then you'll lie here. No! <coughs> Mavis survived the car wreck. He lived to confess who hired him. The last I heard, Mavis talked 28 pages of police evidence. On page one, he named you.
4: Mavis named
2: me? He spelled your name out big. He swore you hired him to murder Floyd Spencer, Jr. An old psychological police trick with a beard like Rip Van Winkle's. But how it worked. Talbot was too much of an amateur and murder to smell out the trick or hold off from singing out his guilt in a voice that started out baritone and ended falsetto. Trev Rogers motored himself over to Twin Oaks for some postmortems.
6: So Talbot had looted the Spencer estate and was an afraid of an accounting.
2: Check. An accounting. Forced by young Spencer and Talbot would go to jail. Talbot wanted time, lots of time. He hoped to make good his steps from the Spencer estate through neocromite.
6: Buy cheap. Profit by the confused market reaction created by the murder of the
2: Spencer app. Mm-hmm. Buy cheap, then sell high. That's the whole story. Hiring me was a camouflage. A screening to hide behind.
6: Not very clever. In my book, hiring you made Talbot a prime suspect.
2: In my book, too. Right from scratch. So let's not brag. Too
6: bad about young Spencer. 21 with $40 million. The whole wide world is for the taking. Kind of a sad end for him.
2: Don't shed tears, Trav, for the wrong corpse. The wrong corpse? Think again at this snapshot. I found it on Marcel Serac when I frisked him.
6: Ah. Huh. Victor Young Spencer's traveling companion, Paul Chando.
2: There's a spitting of rust on your mental machinery, Lieutenant. Say, wait a minute. Uh-oh. Paul?
6: Yes, Mr. Craig?
2: Marcel Sorac wasn't interested in a Paul Shandor... His assignment was Floyd Spencer, Jr. Yes, of course. I guess this snapshot, sure I carried on him to be Floyd Spencer, Jr. As a matter of fact, I guess you to be Floyd Spencer, Jr. Yes. I am Floyd Spencer.
6: You changed identities with Paul Shander? Yes, in Lisbon, before Mr. Talbot's
2: arrival. It was Paul's idea to cheat cheaters, he said. To ensure that I lived.
6: Quite a beau-gest. To do what he did for you. Laying down his life for a friend. Paul was a beau-gest. All through him, Lieutenant. He was a man I could never be. We, uh... We made a bargain when we exchanged identities. What was the bargain? That if
2: he lost his life... I would lose my fortune. Lose it how? Give it away. Befriend the world was... How Paul put it. And will you? I'll try to
6: keep to my bargain. I, too, want very much to be a...
2: Bougest. Forty million dollars. And brother, does this sad old world need befriending? Good night, folks. See you next week. (laughs)
1: You've been listening to William Gargan in another exciting transcribed mystery drama from the adventures of Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Tonight's story, Motive for Murder, was written by John Robert. Next week, it's the strange story titled Murder in Mink, about which Barry Craig has this to say.
2: Next week, I meet a girl who has lost a mink coat, a man who has lost his head, and a corpse which has lost its life. See you next week, folks.
1: Featured in the role of Talbot was Arnold Moss. Barry Craig, starring William Gargan, was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is Don Pardo speaking. Robert Montgomery presents something different in news analysis on NBC.
0: Welcome back. Um, Other than the Fez, that Egyptian uh, detective. Reminded me a lot of the Peter Lorre version of uh, Mr. Moto, uh, from the movies from the 30s and 40s. Of course, Mr. Moto was, uh, Japanese, but was also a master of, uh, jujitsu, uh, with, uh, Peter Lorre in the lead. Uh, this episode had a, I think, a, a very good positive ending, uh, despite the, uh, murder story. Uh, I should mention that this concludes a, uh, a period when we've had all of the episodes of Barry Craig Confidential Investigator in an order. Uh, and it's somewhat uh, unique to note that there are 59 episodes of Barry Craig Confidential Investigator out there in circulation. 19 of them we've heard, and they were all in a row. And there's later a point where nine of uh, 9 of 10 episodes are available. The other 31 are are scattered out over the remaining 150 to 160-plus episodes. So uh, we will definitely uh, catch up with Johnny Dollar at some point uh, in terms of the timeline. Because uh, other than those two stretches, there aren't going to be uh, more than two episodes uh, in a row that are in circulation. Well, we turn now to listener comments and feedback, uh Uh, iTunes review from NoteFinder. I just love this podcast. Adam does a fantastic job and I can't wait until it's time to go to bed so I can listen as I go to sleep. When I first found him, it was April 2010 last year. I had to listen to them in order so I wouldn't get out of sync. Uh, So I would take on two to three a night until I caught up. Adam, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, You're great. P.S. I also uh, love the videos as well. Super great job. Well, thanks so much for your kind remarks. And that will actually do it. Uh, For those of you who have the app or a premium site, we've got another great William Gargan uh, extra uh, that you can enjoy and download today. We'll be back tomorrow with Rogue's Gallery. And next Monday, join us for another episode of Barry Craig Confidential Investigator. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. We do appreciate uh, reviews and just plain ratings on iTunes. And remember to fill out your listener survey at survey.greatdetectives.net. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.